I just wanted to give you a little update. I've been traveling a lot lately, and uh, you may be wondering whether I'm still working at Lion of Judah as your pastor, but I am. <laughs> but I've been doing a lot of uh, missions, uh, visiting and uh, supervision and catching up, and the Lord has been extraordinarily generous with me in allowing me to see the, the breadth and uh, the expansion of the missionary work that we do here through the people of Lion of Judah. I, I know I, I've shared with you my trip to the Dominican Republic and how God um, instructed me and showed me all the great stuff that is being done there uh, through evangelism, through missions work, through building of uh, bathrooms and uh, school, through uh, medical, major medical interventions that are being done there. Our um, group, Lazos de Amor, or Bonds of Love, has been working for 15 years in the Dominican Republic during the summers, taking lots of um, people, including dentists, doctors, psychologists, um, you know, construction people, and uh, doing major work in a very isolated part of the Dominican Republic. And, you know, God has been using them greatly. The things that I had heard about the Lazos de Amor, Bonds of Love, uh, were small compared to the, the wonderful stuff that is being done there. And that is the product of... Uh, you're giving, you're participating, uh, missions-minded people like Odelise Ramirez uh, and who believe the Lord for great things uh, um, and who just launched out 15 years ago. That work was uh, started and it's been growing and expanding and achieving more and more uh, each day. So I was able to be there and uh, to see all the great things that God is doing. I had never visited for 15 years. I'd never uh, been uh, to that work, and uh, I was just delighted, and I thank the Lord for you and for um, your commitment to the kingdom and for all the things that, that um, you contribute to do doing there. I also went to the Philippines just a week and a half, two weeks ago, and uh, with my brother James uh, Sideras, who is right here, Dr. James Sideras as well, we were both uh, speakers at an international missions conference. Uh, there at a grain of wheat uh, church that uh, Dr. Elijah Kim and his wife, um, what, I forget, Amy, Amy Kim, well, she would kill me if I, she knew that I've forgotten her first name, but uh, she is uh, heart and soul of that congregation, by the way. Uh, Dr. Kim travels a lot all over uh, the United States and all over the world, but she stands there uh, uh, present always as the, the head of that congregation. But, um, you know, it was a wonderful uh, conference, and for me, it was a real revelation to be able to see Asia, uh, because in that conference, we had people from South Korea, Japan, of course, the Philippines, um, Indonesia, and, and other parts of Asia, and to see that region, and to see people from all of those di different countries uh, in their own sort of... Uh, you know, native environment and uh, praising the Lord and serving with such a spirit of um, missions and sacrifice and, and wanting to serve the Lord and to expand the kingdom and uh, do uh, evangelism. You know, what, a, what an amazing uh, example to all of us. I, I really feel that the, the church of Jesus Christ in the world is strong and vibrant. Um, you know, we, we tend to judge the church through the, through the lens of America and of Europe, and we kind of get, uh, you know, negative about the future of the church, and we think we live in a post-Christian world. Well, you haven't been to Asia. Uh, you haven't been to Latin America, or if you believe that. You haven't been to Africa. You haven't been, you know, to other parts of the world. Even the Middle East, um, which is so, you know, entangled in the Muslim mentality, God is doing signs and wonders. 
People are being baptized. I know James uh, travels to different parts of the world doing evangelism. And hundreds of thousands of people are coming to the Lord. They're hearing the word of God. You know, the gospel is being preached in extraordinary ways. Uh, people are coming to the Lord through dreams and visions and, you know, sovereign interventions of the Holy Spirit in their own homes. And, um, you know, there are hundreds of thousands of believers all over the world who are committed to sharing Jesus Christ and bringing their countries, bringing their nations to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. So, you know, I beg us all to renounce and reject this idea that we live in a post-Christian world. I read a lot these days, and I hear this uh, somber news that invites us to kind of, you know, dim the gospel and, and become defensive and apologetic. And that is a total um, distortion of the truth. God is doing extraordinary things. And this trip to uh, Manila, you know, just convinced me again that uh, there's a whole army of believers um, that is doing extraordinary work to bring the kingdom of God into realization and to bring their nations to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And here in America, even in America, you know, there are congregations like Lion of Judah, praise the Lord, and uh, many good, solid, Bible-believing congregations that are holding the ground and are advancing, and the Holy Spirit is doing extraordinary things. Uh, young people are planting churches and full of the Holy Spirit. So, you know, I take this opportunity. I didn't begin with that idea in mind of saying that we should be encouraged, and we should feel, you know, that the Holy Spirit, thank you, at least one person believes. Why don't you give the Lord a hand if you believe that this morning? Amen. I think we need to, we need to be encouraged about what God is doing. I'm thinking of uh, good work servants in Honduras. And I, I know Miguel Prieto was telling me, you know, they, they extracted all the humidity out of his body there. And, uh, but, you know, he, he's coming back uh, rejoicing and celebrating what God is doing. And the fellowship that was established there, God is doing great things in Honduras. And not only good work servants, which is doing an extraordinary work in Honduras. We also have another work uh, led by Blanca Castellanos, who's a woman of the, of the Latino service, who's doing work with uh, single mothers and the children who are hungry and uh, doing evangelistic work and also social ministry in another part of Honduras. We were there visiting last year as well, my wife and I. So, you know, I mean, God, the kingdom is expanding and God is doing great things. And I've, I've been blessed really to be able to participate in these missions things. And I thank you for being patient. I've been out a lot. And, uh, you know, all, we all have been out a lot. I, you know, <laughs> sometimes, by the way, I beg you to come early to the service, you know. Don't wait until the, the worship is halfway through. Come and enjoy a full-fledged uh, uh, worship time. Amen? Because it's good to come into a full church, eh? And to have people praying and, and getting the, the spirit, you know, revved up. So that when we come in, we come to a warm, you know, hot in the spirit um, congregation. So come early and come forward and come up front and, you know, pray and celebrate the Holy Spirit. And, uh, you know, God will be glorified in his people. So it's good to see you. And, um, you know, remember that our church benefits from your presence. The, the, I, I call it the ministry of presence. Just the fact that you come to the church and you, you know, in the midst of all the... I know, and we need to take time, yes, to um, celebrate and to have fun during the summer. 
But we also need to be mindful of our church. Also, it's um, financial needs that, that continue. Even if you're out, uh, and this is like really getting down to earth, if you're out for a Sunday, remember your tithes and your offerings and bring them the next uh, Sunday, okay? Yeah, opportunities to go out doesn't mean that we opportunities to save on giving to the Lord. Amen. It's two different things. So I'm being real here this morning as a pastor. The needs of the church continue, and we need to be mindful of them. But you're so good at giving, and I, I, I do celebrate the generosity of God's people, and that's wonderful. But uh, just a friendly reminder there, even as we thank the Lord for you and what you're doing. Let's go to uh, Acts, the book of Acts, chapter 2. And I want, to, I want to read a couple of verses from there. Acts chapter 2, uh, verses 42 through 47. It's a slice of life from the so-called primitive church. There was nothing primitive about them in terms of the, the sophistication of their faith um, or the power of their life. It's called the primitive church because it's the first church. It was the beginning. It was the, the first fruits of the gospel, but, um, you know, they were a lively bunch of people, and they conquered their culture for Christ. And I want to use this, this passage just as a point of departure for what I want to um, discuss this morning. So, um, verse 42, it says, they devoted, <coughs> excuse me, I've had a little bit of an allergy. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they, they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Praise the Lord. Amen. You know, I, I chose that passage as a kind of a symbol uh, an emblematic passage that suggests something that I want to share uh, with you th this morning. And my meditation really emerges from the time that we had yesterday at Hopkinton State Park. And uh, I, I felt that it would be good to, you know, build on what we experienced yesterday and, and to share a few thoughts uh, uh, and principles really for our life as a congregation that were inspired um, by experiencing and observing what uh, took place yesterday um, during the time of fellowship and the times of uh, baptisms. W what I saw there and what I think uh, those who were there uh, saw yesterday was, well, we experienced definitely uh, the, the beauty of uh, the baptisms, the, the, the sublime nature of what was taking place there as we saw young Children, you know, who have, are of age to be baptized, younger, you know, older youth, young adults, elderly uh, people, Latinos, African Americans, Anglo Europeans, uh, you know, a, a wide diversity of humanity being baptized and uh, celebrating that moment. Uh, I was able to see, and you were also probably able to observe, you know, the, the extraordinary diversity 
of our congregation. Again, as we saw people from all kinds of ethnic groups, uh, the different foods and, and uh, um, ethnic you know, meals that were being enjoyed and uh, shared by each other, the, you know, the racial and ethnic diversity, the socioeconomic diversity of the people who were there. It's an extraordinary thing, and I, I, was, I, I rejoiced and I celebrated you know, the languages that, that were being spoken, at least Spanish and English. Um, and uh, how we were able to, you know, interact in a very beautiful way as a diverse group of people there. Uh, you know, I, I rejoice at the wonderful fellowship, the times of uh, conversation, laughter, people moving from table to table. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, all of that, just human beings interacting with each other, rejoicing with each other, having uh, times of just crisscrossing and merging and cross-pollinating their different cultures and their different life experiences. A wonderful, wonderful and very unique kind of thing in the world that we live in today. I, I was able to see the, the intense spirituality of uh, our congregation how people reacted to the times of baptism, the emotional reactions of uh, being immersed in water and, and the seriousness with which people, even our younger uh, people, um, uh, understand what they were experiencing and, and feel the, the, the joy of the Lord, the, the times of prayer, the times of singing, um, the moments when you see people praying for each other in isolated moments, even within the informality of that moment, people sharing about their, their uh, experiences with the Lord and prophetic words and all kinds of beautiful, beautiful moments as well. That, that gives us joy because we are especially and uh, uh, principally a people of the Spirit. And to see the intensity of it, which is something that I saw, for example, in Manila while I was there. You know, I've been to Africa, I've been to Latin America, um, had not been to uh, Asia um, and uh, even in certain places in Europe and here in, in America, of course, you see that God's people, when they have been shaped by the Word of God and uh, they participate in what I call a biblical mentality, it's like they're all the same every, anywhere you go. They have their diversity, yes, of course. You know, they have their cultures. They have their different uh, racial types and so on and so forth. But there's a commonality of faith and of outlook you know, seeing those Asian believers crying as they prayed, you know, intensely crying out to God for the conversion of their continent, being willing to die for Christ, worshiping the Lord, dancing and jumping and coming under the power uh, and, the, 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 you know, the anointing of the Holy Spirit in moments of great Pentecostal celebration. And, uh, you know, the willingness of these men and women to die, of these young people, to die for the gospel and to go into the mission field, I, I felt right at home. As a Latino, I felt like I was in Latin America or I was here in my own congregation or here during the English uh, ministry and we have those moments of exaltation. Thank you, my dear. Gracias. Gracias. Um, you know, I, I felt uh, very, I was home. And that's something that when you find, when you experience the, the biblical mentality, the mentality of the Bible, um, in any part of the world, you realize that there's a commonality of, uh, of the Spirit that is very similar. Why? Because these believers have all been formatted. They have all been shaped by a single 
program, so to speak, by a single worldview and outlook, the worldview of the Bible, of the Holy Spirit. So no surprise that wherever you go, you find the same uh, virtues, the same qualities. And that is what I hope more and more for our congregation, both English and Spanish, to experience. Um, you know, we saw this, this moments of, uh, like, you know, here in, 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 the, in the book of Acts, we see, uh, you know, the, the breaking bread. And also good to see, you know, people going back and forth and sharing what they had and, you know, people experiencing uh, Guatemalan food or Salvadorian food or just plain steak or, or, you know, barbecue stuff, whatever. But people sharing with each other food, just something as basic as sharing uh, a meal together. And, uh, you know, it, this is what uh, the communion is all about. This is, this is the way the agape, the, the gathering of Christians used to be, where they came together like a potluck supper, and they ate together, and they consecrated the food, and they saw in it the symbols of uh, the body of Christ and his blood, and they experienced a sense of uh, communion and intimacy with each other. I saw that yesterday, and that, you know, one of the great things that I enjoy about uh, our times uh, in Hopkinton State Park is that sharing of me of a meal together, and of course, you know, just the laughter, the lively conversation, the playing of different kinds of games, and so on. The children going back and forth. I saw a community that is alive. I saw a community where Jesus Christ is having an impact, and a community that is being shaped and formed by the master potter into something that comes, uh, brings glory to him. Might we give the Lord a hand because of that? Amen? I think it's worthy. As we say, he is worthy to be praised, as we sang this morning. It occurred to me that this is what Christian communities should be like. And that's not to glorify ourselves as, you know, the, the only show in town. Of course not. But it is to celebrate. I mean, sometimes we, you know, we're so down on each other. We're so critical of each other. I think one of the afflictions of the 21st century is that we become so used to, you know, uh, psychology and Freudianism and, and counseling, a counseling mentality that we're always analyzing ourselves. And we're always finding fault with ourselves. I think we're overly critical of ourselves. And we don't find time also to celebrate the, the goodness that is in us and the goodness that is in a, in a Christian community. Christianity has been so criticized by the outside world that we have kind of internalized that critical attitude. And no, I think we should celebrate the great things that God does in Christian communities, the wonderful works of the Holy Spirit uh, that God is doing. So I, as I saw these different elements yesterday, um, I, I realized that this is what makes Christianity Special And that some of those elements that I saw yesterday is what should constitute a Christian community. It, it is what makes these institutions such, such exceptional features in this world that we uh, live in. And uh, a place like Lion of Judah in, in its manifestation, but even here this morning, you know, uh, and I, what I really, what I'm aiming at is to discuss a couple of things, two, three things uh, about what uh, our church should be and should continue to be. I want to share a little bit of my, my vision. I know you already know these things, but I want to put them in, this, in, in that uh, con contained form. You know, churches 
should be prophetic places. What, what, um, what happened there yesterday was a prophetic act. Churches should be a, a sign, a prophetic sign to uh, the world in the middle of a culture of loneliness and alienation, such as we live in the modern 21st century. That's one of the things that a church should be like. It should be a sign. It should be a prophetic place that announces in a very specific way the kingdom of God, that proclaims the kingdom of God. One day, the church will celebrate a great feast in heaven. And, uh, you know, the, that, that, uh, that, uh, fe- that wedding of the Lamb. And uh, when we eat together, when we celebrate together, when we rejoice together, we, it, is a, it is a prophetic announcement of that great celebration that will take place in heaven. And so churches like Lion of Judah should point to the fact that, that there is a better world in the middle of the violence, of the division, of the polarization and animosity that we see in modern culture, especially in America today. When we see black and white and Asian and Latino living together, rejoicing, enjoying each other, celebrating each other, working through the differences with each other, it is an announcement that the kingdom of God is here. That heaven is breaking out in the middle of a lonely, alienated culture. And the church should always be, a good church should be a declaration of the kingdom of God. It should be a prophetic declaration. It should be a sign that when people see it, they see the kingdom of God at work. And I I, I sensed that yesterday. You know, people should come into a Christian community, and upon seeing the, the beauty and the exemplary nature of our communal life, they, they should wonder, especially if they come from the outside, from the street. They don't know the Lord. They should wonder, who, who are these people? Why are they able to live the way they live? What, what makes them so unique? What enables them to break through the inertia of uh, the modern world? And to ascend into a place of uh, harmony and love, forgiveness, toleration for each other, power of the Spirit, transformation. And so, it is one of the things that I hope we will always be as a congregation, a prophetic congregation, cutting edge in the best sense of the word, frontier. And that takes work. It takes time. It, It takes a lot of effort. And uh, sometimes it's harder when you decide that that's what you want to be. There's a lot of talk about, you know, um, churches that are monocultural. It's easier, I think, for churches to grow when they are, you know, up middle class or working class or Latino or African American or Guatemalan or Honduran. You know, because people know each other. They, they have the same sense of humor. They, they have the same culture and so on. But growing congregations that are diverse and that are uh, of different socioeconomic levels and even from people from different, uh, uh, you know, denominational backgrounds and so on, and even political convictions that are different and cultural convictions, that takes a lot of work. And it really takes uh, putting into practice the values of the kingdom of God. And, uh, you know, many times you will lose people who come wanting a, a kind of conventional church experience. And, you know, somebody from the street comes in and sits next to them or, or somebody from a different race. 
um, or whatever. You know, a lot of people, they come to church, and all they want is just vanilla. They want something that will quiet them down, quiet their nerves, so they can go and have their martinis after the service and uh, watch the uh, Patriots in a football game. But don't give me anything that will rankle me or, you know, get me out of my comfort zone. Well, you know what? The church of Jesus Christ is very different. The church of Jesus Christ is a dangerous place even to come to. And it takes time. It takes effort. But when it happens, it's a beautiful thing, and it brings the light to the heart of God. So, I'm, I'm, you know, one of the things that I hope we will always be, as I say, is that, being a prophetic congregation. Secondly, I think uh, a church like Lion of Judah, we want to, we, we aspire to be a church where the Scriptures, the Bible, is the foundation of our life, both uh, as a community, collectively, and as individuals. The Bible right at the center, the Scriptures of God, the teachings of the Word of God. The Bible is our constitution. It is our guide for every aspect of our life. In this 21st century where mankind more and more affirms its right to live according to its own design and preference, the church of Jesus Christ, Congregation Lion of Judah, should declare that we live under God's design as revealed in the Word of God, the Bible. And we should be militant about that. We should not apologize for that. We should pay whatever price is necessary. But the world should see a, a community that says, hey, this is our master plan. This is our blueprint. And whatever we do, whether it's in, our, in the area of family and marriage, in the area of sexuality, in the area of finances, in the area of, uh, you know, interpersonal relationships, in the area that I govern and manage my life and my emotions, in my professional life, the way I, I behave in my interactions with my clients or with the people that I deal with in, uh, as an Uber driver or as a truck driver on Route 93, whatever, the values of the kingdom of God is what governs my life and every decision that I make and the way that I manage my emotional and my individual life. The Bible, the Word of God. In many modern evangelical churches, what is the tendency that you see today? The tendency is to tone down the gospel. Lower the volume a bit so that you don't alienate people when they come to visit. And by the way, they, never come, they, they often don't come to visit because secretly they want a place that will challenge them. They want a place that will, where it will be different, that will, will you know, um, make them a little restless, that will confront them. And a church that goes just, you know, with the flow will end up, why do you have so many dying churches in the liberal world? If you look all, at all the statistics, the liberal churches, the mainline churches, they're all dying. The only growth that is taking place, not only in America, but all over the world, is in the charismatic, Bible-believing, Pentecostal, supernaturally oriented, holiness-oriented, obedience-oriented church of Jesus Christ. That is where the action is happening. That is where progress is being made. That is where evangelism is taking place. That is where the gifts of the Holy Spirit are being manifested, my brothers and sisters. People who believe that somehow by using marketing techniques and by dumping down the gospel, that somehow they're going to grow, they are deluding themselves. We need to, uh, 
you know, anchor ourselves more and more militantly in the Bible, in the Word of God. This goes uh, to what we are speaking, you know, last, uh, last time I preached about, you know, do not be conformed. Do not conform yourselves to this world, but rather be what? Transformed by the renewal of your minds, by the renewal of your whole being, really, is what he means. And the world is always putting pressure on us. There's a, high pre- a huge pressure to, f- upon Christians to conform to the prevailing culture. People call us all kinds of crazy names, uh, you know, culture warriors and Pharisees and, you know, mean-spirited. Do not let yourself be intimidated by these labels. They're simply demonic ways of trying to get you out of your commitment to the Word of God. We need to stand convinced and convicted and actually rejoicing and celebrating who we are as followers of the Word of God. The world wants us to change the message, trying to to kind of bargain with us. If you dumb down the, the gospel, then we'll come in and we'll stay in your church. It's a demonic ploy to get the church out of its place of power. The, the Apostle Paul said that ages and ages ago. It wasn't Paul, forgive me, it was Jude. Dear friends, um, although I was very eager to write to you about the salvation we share, I felt compelled to write and urge you to contend for the faith that was once for all entrusted to God's holy people. Contend, that means, you know, stand your ground, fight the good fight, resist. For certain individuals whose condemnation was written about long ago have secretly slipped among you. This is not new. You know, the, 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 the effort to try to get the church out of its power zone into com, uh, conformity with the world has been around as long as Satan has been around. And that's why you have this council written 2,000 years ago. It says, certain individuals whose condemnation was written about long ago have secretly slipped in among you. They are ungodly people who pervert the grace of our God into a license for immorality and deny Jesus Christ, our only sovereign and Lord. Man, you can't get more real and serious and direct than that. There's no uh, political correctness in that message. You know, it's clear. We have to stand clear on what we believe. So rather than cave in to pressure, to conform, we should be more than ever committed as a congregation Lion of Judah to being an orthodox congregation. And by orthodoxy, I mean that, that adheres to the Word of God, the historical gospel that has been revealed to us through the Bible. We need to be a community that clings and holds on to the Word of God as it has been revealed to us through the Scriptures. The Bible should be a part of everything that we do. And we should all, as members of this congregation, affirm the purpose to become knowledgeable in the Word of God. I, I celebrated this Tuesday. I went to, last Tuesday, I went to the conclusion of a uh, weeks-long study of the, uh, of the book of Revelation among a, a sector of our congregation. And, um, you know, it's admirable that these people stuck through many weeks of coming on Tuesday night to study the book of Revelation and to get learn more about a very obscure but very powerful book that gives us all a lot of encouragement. 
And, uh, you know, it, it's not just, it shouldn't just be the Latino. I know we, we made a call about the discipleship classes. Well, these are opportunities to study the Word of God, to know the gospel, to become a biblical people. And I encourage my brothers and sisters in the English ministry as, as well to, you know, just dig in deeper into the Word of God. Whenever there's an opportunity, an offer to study some aspect of the Scripture, some aspect of theology, some aspect of the Christian life in the light of the Word of God, man, be there. Spend time. Take time in the evening. You know, we're so defensive many times of our, our precious rest. And we come to uh, church only, you know, when it's indispensable, only when it's absolutely necessary. You know, there are seven days of the week. It's not just Sunday. And, you know, we, we should not be just Sunday Christians. We should come, you know, at the risk of getting, um, spending too much time on just one topic. But, I, you know, I want to affirm something there. Uh, two Sundays ago, when I arrived from the Philippines, I got in at, uh, my, my plane landed at 11 a.m. on Sunday. One of the reasons I was hesitant earlier to go to the Philippines when I was invited was because not being used to those lengthy travels and, you know, having had a very busy summer with the other travels that I was doing and so on, I felt, I said to myself, you know, four days, a, a, a brief trip, you know, 17 hours of traveling total, and then being there at, at this conference, then coming back and having to come into the full swing of things here at the church, it's going to be too much. And so, thankfully, you know, the Lord reminded me, we don't, we don't minister uh, with a uh, mentality of uh, scarceness and scarcity. We, we, we should minister out of mentality of abundance and that the Lord is sufficient to give us strength. And so I went to, I went to, um, I, I went to the trip, and yes, it, it is demanding. The, the return trip was like 25 and a half hours altogether in the time of, uh, you know, laying in, in the, air, in the um, airports and so on and so forth, and, you know, and 17 and a half hours of total travel. But, you know, I got, I got to Logan at around, as I say, 11 a.m. Uh, it was 10, 10.30. And, you know, incredibly, despite the length of the trip and almost 20, you know, as I say, a full day of traveling, um, I felt energized. Maybe it was the adrenaline of the trip, I don't know. But I really felt that the Lord uh, had ministered to me. And, uh, you know, I had told my wife that I was going to go straight home and we would meet there at the end of the, of the Sunday service. But, you know, I saw an opportunity here to declare something before the Lord, which is that he, you know, I can do all things in Christ who strengthens me. So I came to this service. I, I drove from, I, came, I took an Uber from the airport, and rather than go home and, you know, lick my wounds from the trip, I came directly to the service. I could be at, this, at the 12 o'clock service at that point, but I spent the whole time here. I had a, we had a wonderful, glorious service, and I rejoiced in the Lord. And I saw that as a prophetic declaration. As a believer, I cannot live always like, you know, counting my little marbles and, and uh, always being conservative. You always have to live in the power of the Holy Spirit. Don't live on your emotions. Don't live on your physical uh, feelings. Don't live, you know, even if you're tired, if there is an opportunity to serve the Lord and to give to the Lord and to participate in something that will strengthen your spirit, do it. And believe that God will provide. God will heal you. God will strengthen you. Live out of a prophetic anointing and uh, conviction that you're a man, you're a woman of the Spirit. And if your spirit is strong, your body will be strong. Your mind will be strong. I think that many times we are depressed and anxious and weak and tired. is because we have not learned to move in the power of the spirit.
There's an energy that comes when you move prophetically. I'm telling you, some of the moments when God has used me most greatly have been moments that I was weak and tired and I didn't feel that I had what I needed. And then the Lord takes over, you see? What does he say? My power is perfected in your weakness. So people of God, let's live an abundant life. Don't depend on how you feel in the moment. Move by faith. Amen? That's a free part of the sermon. I didn't have that there. Uh, but uh, I won't charge you for that one. So, number one, we should be a people of the Bible more than ever committed to retaining our doctrine as it has been revealed to us throughout the centuries. And secondly, we should not only be committed to being orthodox and biblical, because if that's all that we are, then we become Pharisaic. We become rigid. We become dry. Orthodoxy, without life or joy, can become a very ugly and unattractive thing. So even as I call us to orthodoxy, I, I want to say that as a church, we also need to become a community and be a community of joy and celebration, just as we saw yesterday. A community of joy and celebration. We need to be a place where transformation is continually taking place, where we are continually advancing, making progress, and we're celebrating and rejoicing in those moments where we see the power of God manifesting itself and the beauty of the gospel manifesting itself in our lives, where people are being changed according to the image of Jesus Christ. Line of Judah needs to be more and more a place where truly we are being perpetually renewed in a way that leads to total transformation. Yesterday, as we baptized uh, these young men and women, these men and women of Lion of Judah that have struggled with all kinds of difficulties in life and adversities. You know, Sam was saying, some of the people that we baptized have been homeless. They, they have dealt with all kinds of uh, difficulties in life, all kinds of brokenness. And I think we all do in one level or another. But you know, the beautiful thing is that these people are being transformed. Yes. They're being led into victory. They can see that God is doing wonderful, transforming things in their lives. I, I thought to myself that this is the, what the church of Jesus Christ needs to be all about. We don't just provide maintenance. You know, there's a lot of uh, social programs and a lot of churches that, that provide maintenance for people who are broken. You know, just, just help them to survive. Well, no, the gospel calls us to thrive. The gospel calls us to rejoice. The gospel calls us to gain victories in the kingdom of God. The, the, the Bible calls us to, to experience uh, victory over our addictions, over our mental illnesses, our emotional uh, bondage, our bad habits, our defects of character. And, and, and the Christian church should be a place where we are continually seeing signs of vitality. You know, these lives that are, you know, incandescent with the power of God working in them. God doing things in their lives. The church of Jesus Christ needs to be a place of transformation, celebration, joy, and of seeing God do tre tremendous things in the life of the individuals. We need to be known as a church that helps others to escape the devastation of sin and emotional and mental illness and helps to lead them by the power of the Holy Spirit into a life of victory, joy, and personal transformation. And by the way, this is not just for those who have experienced that kind of uh, difficulty at, it, at its most, uh, you know, uh, tragic levels. It's for all of us because all of us, including me who I'm speaking to you, in one level or another, 
need to experience more of the power of Jesus Christ. We're all struggling with all, we all struggle with something. And the, the community of Jesus Christ should be a place where, you know, God is working in each of us in different levels. If you are staying where you were 20 years ago or five years ago, even one day ago, there's something wrong with your uh, Christian journey. You got to be changing, learning, transforming yourself by the power of the Holy Spirit. And the church needs to help you to do that. You know, my conversation with an employee of the Boston Public Health Commission on Friday reminded me of, you know, what kind of a church we need to be. He had referred someone who uh, found me uh, on Friday um, to Lion of Judah because he had heard, as an employee of, of the Boston Public Health Commission, he had heard that Lion of Judah is a place that ministers to people who are having difficulties with opioid addiction, who are on the street, and, and that Lion of Judah, as he said, you know, is known for being a generous congregation. And, you know, I hear, I hear this quite often, that, uh, you know, this congregation has the reputation of being involved in the community, of helping African-American and young and youth and, and Latino youth uh, to, you know, go to college and stay in college, that we do stuff with immigrants, that, that we do things with people on the street and the opioid addicted, that we do evangelism. That, you know, sometimes we provide as best as we can a little help financially for people in straits. And it was gratifying to me. I spoke with two different individuals that day because I was ch checking out something. And I get that same thing about, you know, Lion of Judah being known as a congregation that helps and that is generous. And we had that same thing in a time of testimonies on Wednesday night during our service. You know, we are far from perfect, as I said earlier, as I began this meditation as a congregation. But it's good to know that we are on, on our way to becoming that place of transformation, that place that is seen as an asset to the community. Because churches should be places of change. Church, churches should be places like what we saw yesterday, laughter, celebration, joy. We should inspire jealousy in people when they see us through the window, like a child seeing a beautiful party where people are having all kinds of sweet things. And they should look through the window and press their nose against and say, wow, I want to be there. I'm going to speak more about that later on. But, you know, congregations in the 21st century need to be exemplary places, alternative communities, alternative cultures. Where people can come and have all, you know, it's a, a, a whole buffet of what life is all about. You need transformation, you have resources for transformation. You need a human company and fellowship, you can find it. You need to get out of your little uh, ghetto of uh, culture and, you know, your own little slot of uh, experience in, you know, racial, whatever. You can find Christians from a lot of different uh, ethnicities and, and groups and uh, socioeconomic levels. You need uh, inspiration for study and, and for going to college and, you know, learning how to drive or uh, whatever, expanding your profession. You're going to find people who will help you there, who inspire you. You, you. you need a course on finances, like, you know, what Noé was saying about. You need to know about stewardship, about, you know, how to use your, your finances well. There's a place. You need to come on a Saturday afternoon and, and have a moment to watch a movie with a group of believers and, and eat some popcorn or have a moment of fellowship. You can find that. Because the world out there will become increasingly unable to offer believers what they require or to offer even a wholesome understanding of what life is all about. 
the world will become more perverse. It will, it will become more disoriented as it ceases to have a point of a reference that is universal and that is absolute. And it loses itself in its own mental computations about what it is to be human and a thousand different alternatives for sexuality, for relationship, for uh, um, ethics or morality are offered and people become disoriented. And they need to know <clears throat> that there needs to be a place for firm rooting, you know? And, and a place that when they come in, they won't have to leave their humanity behind because that church, that community will be able to offer them what they require to be human. Joy, laughter, relationships, moral teaching, resources for transformation, for personal growth. That's what a church needs to be, and we need to become more and more of that. So I'm going to leave my sermon in half. Give thanks to the Lord for that. Um, and I will continue next Sunday as the Lord leads us to think more and more, what do we need to become as a community? I started uh, several weeks ago talking about discipleship and uh, what it means to be an authentic community. For Jesus Christ. And I thank the Lord that yesterday, seeing you and seeing many of you who went to this uh, outing and this baptismal time that we had, I was able to see many of these things. I'm, praise the Lord that I'm talking about experience here and not about some theoretical stuff that I hope that we somehow, if the Lord helps us, we get to know. This is reality. This is happening within you. And we need to celebrate that. We need to give thanks to the Lord this morning. And so... Um, let us work because I, hard because I think God is going doing some wonderful things in our midst. I will speak also about Pentecostal power and what we require, you know, for that uh, to happen. And, and also about being a community of compassion and grace because it's important. Even as we speak of orthodoxy and biblical righteousness, we need to temper that as well with the kind of attitude that enables people, enables people to come into that place of holiness, but do it in a way that is organic and, you know, that, that really honors the Spirit of Christ. So pray for, for uh, these uh, um, thoughts and these messages as well. But I want you to take a moment now and own what I am declaring. If the Lord has said something that, is, that sounds good to you, that sounds really worthy of uh, binding onto and holding onto, I want you to take that right now and anchor yourself in it. And uh, we, we know that this community is a creation of God. It's not of any man or woman. And we, we want you, Holy Spirit, to take over more and more in our midst. And we declare your blessing, your blessing upon each individual that has come into this place this morning. Father, we, we thank you because you're a God of mercy and love and compassion and patience. We thank you because you have seen it fit to send your son, Jesus Christ, to the earth to die for us, that we might have access to this glorious gospel. And Lord, we pray that this church, this community, will be magnetic and will attract the power of the Holy Spirit more and more, that this place will be a source of transformation of life and of truth to those that so desperately need to see a vision of the kingdom of God. Keep us safe from the attacks of the enemy, Father. Keep this place in harmony. Keep it secure from the attacks of the enemy. 
and send your Holy Spirit more and more into our lives and make us that exemplary community that you need us and you want us to be. So this morning, if you have not received Jesus as, as your Lord and Savior, I want you to take a moment right where you are because none of this is possible. None of these things that we have said is possible if you don't have Christ at the center. If you have not made your commitment to Jesus as your Lord and Savior. In this world that we are living in where so much is being torn apart and distorted and twisted, you need a fresh anointing and a fresh touch of the Holy Spirit in your life. And that is only possible when Christ reigns in your heart, when you have acknowledged him as your Lord and Savior. If you haven't done it, this, this morning is a beautiful moment. It's a very great, it's a great opportunity for you to do that. We would love to pray for you. If you want to do that and you want to come forward or you want to raise your hand, we can pray for you from where you are. If you haven't done that, I invite you to do that right now. And to not leave, don't leave this place without inviting the Spirit of Christ to come in. Is that your hand raised there, sister? God bless you. I, I, I praise the Lord for you and, and we, we bless your life. Anyone else would like to invite Christ to come into your life this morning? Would, uh, would Paola and somebody else, would you go, uh, would you stand, my sister, for a moment? Would you stand up? I know that you've just raised your hand, but uh, oh, come, come next to her and, and just pray with her or, or some of the, yes, that's right, gracias. Eh? And, and just bless her and put, put your hands around her and pray for her. And if anybody else wants to, to uh, acknowledge Christ as their Savior this morning, I would invite you to make a, a sign that we might recognize you and pray for you. So, Father, we pray for your daughter. We declare your blessing on her life. You only know what is contained in her heart. Uh, she invites Christ to come in, into her life. And we pray that you will seal her with your Holy Spirit that you will bring her closer to you. And even now, as she acknowledges Jesus as her Lord and Savior and invites him to come in, Lord, we know that you are coming in. And with you, we declare, is entering all the power of the kingdom of God into her life to break any bondage, to heal any brokenness and to open a glorious path for her in the future. And we thank you for her. And we pray that you will take over anything that she is facing, any situation, and make her into that glimmering expression of your transforming power. Receive the seal, the touch of the Holy Spirit this morning in your life. And we bless this congregation, Father. And we pray for each family that is here represented this morning as well. Leave, lead us from this place with a sense of your presence and your blessing and approval. In Jesus' name we pray. And the people of God said, Amen.